All right, welcome back to Behind the Mic Conversations of Hope. Today, we're talking about a topic that I've had on my list for a long time that I've wanted to do because I think uh, I think there may be, maybe you've never thought about it, but I've thought about it a lot, why we worship, what worship is and why we worship. I've invited a friend of mine, um, Jonathan Philby, who uh, plays drums for us here on the worship team and also led a class on worship just recently and i've asked jonathan to come and share some of his knowledge on worship and i've got lots of questions for you buddy so all right uh, jonathan well, tell us who you are and a little bit about you and and um, we're going to jump in here well, like you said my name's jonathan philby um i've i've been playing drums for efree i've been involved in uh, the church pretty much my entire life started uh, teaching at my youth group when I was in my early 20s um, and have just seen a lot of different worship settings. And I've also led a uh, Sunday school class on worship called Worship Is. Um, and I think that went that went really well. And I really enjoyed studying to kind of yeah. uh, benefit my own knowledge of, of really what, what does the Bible say about worship and how does it say, uh, what does it say about how to worship the, the one true God? So it's a, it's a topic that uh, interests me a great deal as well. So Yeah. So I've also had uh, a pretty diverse background when it comes to worship. So I'm anxious to get into that yeah. <laughs> because, um, because you know, I've had lots of questions over the years about that. Let's talk about, first of all, what worship is and how this fits in with the podcast is, you know, we talk about hope. Mm -hmm. And um, ultimately, if you haven't figured out after 46 episodes, really our hope is Jesus Christ. Right. And... And this is where worship comes in, because we all know if you've grown up in the church or if you've ever attended a church service, uh, music is a part of that. Right. Uh, the Church of Christ, which uh, is my early, earliest upbringings, there's a, a, a portion of the Church of Christ, Churches of Christ, that is non-instrumental. I was in the instrumental Churches of Christ, but uh, music has always been important to me, and uh, you know, so growing up, I always, I remember when Walkmans came out, I had my Walkman mm -hmm. and, you know, the headset, which is totally different than it was uh, back then than it is now. But I, uh, music has always been a big part of my life. And I think that's a natural built in thing for most of us as human beings um, is we're made to worship. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what is worship. Right. Well, I think. Maybe uh, before we get into what worship is, it might be helpful to talk about what worship isn't, uh, because I think a lot of people, ha uh, you know, they hear the word worship and a certain concept comes into their mind, such as, oh, well, worship is, is that thing I do Sunday morning, you know, when I stand up and then I sing these words on the screen and that's, that's my worship to God. Um, but I would say that that is... That can be uh, an element of worship, but biblically speaking, uh, that's that's really not what worship is. There's there's so much more to worship than just standing up and and singing a song. So you've just blown my mind because that's what I referred to as as music. Mm -hmm. I think what I just described is probably what most people would say is worship. Right. 
So keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. oh, you there. No, 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 no problem. I mean, we even it's it's even a genre of music now, right? Worship music. Yeah. But I think if we're going to get to the root of what worship is, we really have to go to the Bible and see what has God told us what worship is, because we can kind of invent our own idea of of how to worship God and what worship looks like. I think that'd be a good idea to get into God's word and, and see what true worship is. Um, and the two passages in scripture that I think define it uh, the best are uh, Romans 12, 1. Uh, Paul, speaking to the church at Rome, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Hmm. So when we talk about what worship is, it's that presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now in the Old Testament, they offered animal sacrifices to God on an altar. Right. But in the New Testament, we're not called to offer animal sacrifices. Jesus Christ was our, our once and for all sacrifice. Um, but we are called to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That is, our whole being is a sacrifice to God. It's, it's giving up ourselves wholly and fully to God for his service, for his glory. Um, that's... That's what scriptural worship is. And then in uh, John 4, 23 and 24, the passage with Jesus and the woman at the well, Jesus says to this uh, Samaritan woman, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And this is, this is the really important one right here. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So that, that really gives us the crux of the how are we to worship. It's not just in whatever way we see fit, but it must be in spirit and truth. And maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Let's unpack that because um, I've often said, and I and I still do, as believers, we're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus here on earth. Um, he left his Holy Spirit for us to represent him. And I often say I try to live my life as a constant prayer to him. And I believe that we're touching on kind of a similar vein here is that it's not about singing as much as it is about presenting ourselves in our all of our waking hours mm -hmm. to be that living sacrifice. So let's unpack that, those scriptures right. there. Yeah. So uh, when in Romans 12, 1, talking about the, the living sacrifice, it really comes after 11 verses of really just the gospel unpacked, what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross, uh, bearing the full weight and the full punishment of the sins of all who would believe in him. And just that, that grace that we have in Jesus Christ. So in view of that, we give ourselves to God fully. And 
and this um, this presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice is not simply a one-time event, but continuous. We get mm. that from the term living sacrifice. So it's not a it's not a dead sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice that is continually sacrificed again and again. And it, it's also you know in the Old Testament the sacrifices were physical. You would see the animal. You would see it. Right it die, you would see the blood. Um, but with this, it's not necessarily a, a visible act that we do, but it should lead to visible actions. So I, I, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm offering my, my body as a living sacrifice to God. Well, how, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah. Let's make this practical. Exactly. If you're, if you're offering yourself as a living sacrifice to God, that means that you're offering yourself in service to God. You're no longer serving yourself. Your aim is to serve the one who, who died for you, the one who created you, the one who loves you uh, more than anyone ever has loved you. And I think it's also interesting, just during my study for the, uh, the Worship Is class, I noticed that going through the Old Testament and whenever you see the word worship, I, I won't say whenever you see the word worship, but many, many times when you see the word worship, the word serve or service is right next to it. Mm. Um, the, um, the 10 plagues is actually a really good example of that. When God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may may go into the wilderness and and worship me. He says this several different times to Pharaoh. Sometimes he says, worship me. Sometimes he says, serve me. Sometimes he says, bow down and serve me or bow down and worship me. This really has an aspect of, of servitude, or I think we could even say slavery, as Paul himself said that he's a slave for Christ. Right. That should kind of be our attitude in worship to God, that we are his... We are his servants. We are made to serve him, but it's it's a joyful service. It's mm -hmm. a joy yeah. to serve the one who who saved us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that really kind of hits a little bit of of what Paul's talking about with presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. As far as that that inner that inner devotion, that inner uh, that spirit of servitude that leads to to outward actions of service to God. And that that outward service can be seen in many ways. Um, you know, we're, we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment, which is like it, is to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, and I think that one of the ways that we serve God is by serving the people of God and also serving serving just others in general. Jesus, I recall saying uh, in one of his parables, when he says, whatever you have done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. If you served the least of, of my brethren, you're, you're serving me. That's right. Specifically, I think there he's, he's referring to the body of Christ, but serving people in general, I think would, would work out too, because God, God made them. That's right. Um, so. so we're talking about I work eight or 10 hours a day, five days a week. I have to eat, I have to sleep, I have a family and a wife. So my time is really limited. Mm. 
So what does that look like uh, in worshiping in spirit and in truth if my time is completely tied up in all of those things every day? Yeah, I I actually remember thinking about this during my study. And, you know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And... (laughs) None of us can can do that if we if we think of it in terms of like oh okay pray without ceasing I have to spend every single moment twenty four hours a day right uh, of praying or else I'm I'm disobeying a command of God right right um, and I don't think that that's really what Paul had in mind does that mean I can't sleep does that mean I can't have conversations with other people so as far as as worshiping goes and well I don't. I don't have any time to worship God. I think what that's doing is really putting worship in a box and saying, okay, worship has to be this certain thing. Worship can't be me, you know, talking to my wife, taking her out on a date. That can't be worship. Worship can't be me working my job to the best of my ability. Worship can't be me, you know, eating the proper food for my body or, you know, feeling tempted that I should eat too much and, and resisting that temptation. No, that can't be worship. Worship, worship has to be, you know, singing a, a song to God. That's got to be what worship is. Yeah, but that's that's not that's not the case. Yeah, and that, and that's exactly what I was saying earlier about my life being a constant prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I got that that idea is reading what Paul was talking about when he said pray without ceasing, and that mm-hmm. was the first thing that crossed my mind is I can't do that. Right. None of us can do exactly. that. Exactly. But that's not what Paul was was saying. Right. He, he really is saying, um, you know, to to allow your life to be a form of worship to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I and I, you described it really well in taking your wife out for dinner. You know, that is a form of worship because um, it's it's being the hands and feet of Christ mm-hmm. in everything we do, serving others. Because mm-hmm. as it says, I believe in Matthew. Um, whatever you do to the least of these, you do it to me. Right. And, and I think right. that really is kind of the crux of what we're talking about here is ultimately we're worshiping the Lord, but in, even in doing the things that we do with others, uh, I just saw this on LinkedIn, and I'm going to share it okay. because I think it fits. I, I was flipping through LinkedIn last night, and I saw a post of a woman and her child with with the um, oxygen under the child's nose and and I was like okay what's this about and I read through and she was thanking the man in 2D on her airplane on her flight and what in a nutshell what had happened is he was in first class she was in coach she had the oxygen tank for her child they were going to uh, treatments at some hospital somewhere away from where they lived Um, she's carrying all of this stuff you know with her child and this man in first class saw that. And after everybody got seated, the flight attendant came up and said, ma'am, the man in 2D wants to switch seats with you so that she could have more room uh, mm-hmm. to care for her child on the flight. And it just completely broke her in a good way mm-hmm. that he would see, uh, not that she needed the first class seat, but that, that he would see that she needed some extra help. Mm-hmm. And was willing just to say, she needs this seat more than I do. I think that's a form of worship as well. And right. it's countless things we can do during the day and the checkout line. And, you know, whatever we do, I think, 
what I hear you saying is a form of worship. Right. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I think sometimes we we compartmentalize so much our the spiritual side of us and then the work yeah. side of us. And that's that's just not right. There shouldn't be two sides of us. We shouldn't be two faced in in who we are. We need to be the same person at home, at our work, at church. Uh, I think so often people come to church and they put on this facade that everything's going okay in in my life. You know, how many times have you been asked? I just got asked today actually by somebody, "Oh, how are you doing?" "Oh, good." You know, well, am am I really doing good? Do people really want to know how I'm doing? And I, I understand it's just kind of like nowadays, it's it's just kind of this similar to just saying hi. Yeah. You know, yeah, right. so you don't have to get too much into it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but it's really I'm talking about just that we want people so often to to see us as living these really, you know holy lives that there's nothing wrong when in reality that's not the case that's for right. anybody that's right. everybody struggles with something yeah yet at church we kind of have a tendency to act like nobody struggles with anything and if you're struggling you're the one that's the problem and i think that that's a, a big issue yeah and that's really the the whole purpose of this podcast is it started with me just seeing Facebook friends across the nation that were struggling with some really tough things, job losses, um, losing a family member, marriages falling apart, all kinds of stuff that people were dealing with. And I just felt like, you know, this is where the church stands up, comes alongside of one another, and is there for one another to, to help encourage and to support. And, you know, that's worship. You know, I talk about coming to to the church service, uh, you know, and kind of putting on a show. And really, when we come to the church to worship God and sing songs of praise and uh, and worship Him, um, this should really be uh, an overflow of what's going on in our lives the other six days of the week. Mm, yeah. um, if we are not in God's word at all. If we're not in scripture, if we're not in, you know, praying to God, um, and even, you know, talking to other believers sometimes, you know, throughout the week, then it's going to, it's going to be easier to come to church and put on a show. But really when we, when we come to church, it's, it should really be a group of believers that, you know they have they're growing in their walks with god they're they're reading god's word maybe you know something uh in in a lyric of the song uh spurs spurs some sort of uh, emotion in you that that really you know hits a, a, a certain spot or it affirms something you've been studying throughout the week and you just think wow that's really awesome that that god's doing that um and i mean that's that's really what, why we come to uh, to the church to to worship God because it's it's an overflow of what we have as our in our walks with Christ. So. Yeah, very good. Okay, so I think that that is a good definition of what worship is not. 
Right. Uh, we talked about what worship is early on when we talked about different forms of worship that right. we've we've seen and experienced through our lives. So let's talk about worship in the in the form of congregational mm-hmm. worship. Yes, talk to us about that and what that looks like. Well, first off, I think it's it's interesting that we really have uh, an amazing historical account of worship uh, by the people of God. Um, we have the Song of Moses, we have the worship that happened at the building of the first temple, we have the entire book of Psalms, which was mm, yeah. the hymnal of the church for a very, very long time, um, and we just have all of the, the hymns that were written by the early church all the way until now, you know, yeah. uh, Be Thou My Vision, I think was was written, I remember looking this up recently, I think it was around 800 or or even a little bit before that, 800 AD. Very, very old song, but we just sang that not too long ago. Yeah. And then we have other songs, you know, I'm reminded of like the Gettys and uh, and other bands like that that are still making really great worship songs. So we just have this historical account that throughout scripture and throughout the entire, you know, church age that the, the people of God gather together and sing songs of praise and worship to their God. Uh, We also have, I guess what I would call it, a a biblical account of worship through music. Um, In, I believe it's Ephesians 5.19, Paul tells us to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I'm reminded in 1 Chronicles 16, I think it is, where David actually appoints some of the Levites to lead in worship, and he gives them instruments, and they're playing instruments. Yeah. Um, so I think that that with that historical account and also that biblical account, we see sort of the necessity of of um, worship in the music aspect in in uh, the church. Yeah. So the Levites were the first praise and worship band. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would like to research more into the history of worship as far as music goes in the church because yes. I'm aware of like Mary's song and there's so oh, many yeah. songs yeah. throughout Scripture um, that's very apparent that it's yeah. a form of worship, but uh, I would like to know even just past that that time frame in, in biblical history what the very early church, how it went from there. And, and you know, you talked about the one hymn, uh, mm-hmm. but I had no idea it was that old. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, how amazing is that? And yeah, we we still sing it today, yeah. so. Oh yeah. And I think with the, the early church, you know, they were in a, a setting of, you know, persecution. Uh, right. So they didn't have all these you know, they didn't have pipe organs. <laughs> I, I think most of it was yeah. was probably without instruments at all, mm-hmm. um, just because it was kind of a thing where they would be meeting in people's houses or have to meet in secret. You know, and and I'm sure the case is is probably true in you know some churches in in China or other places where it's illegal to meet. That's right. They, they probably don't have yeah. instruments there. Yeah. Um, we are blessed. Uh, yeah. The Church in America. So my my earliest memories of anything that resembled worship outside of the church, mm-hmm. okay? So I grew up in church. Um, 
as I said, early on, very early on, it was the Churches of Christ. Uh, then we moved for, uh, we weren't church hopping, church hopping family, uh, but we, my dad moved us a lot because of his job. So then we went to a Southern Baptist church and experienced something different there. Went through the years to uh, an Assemblies of God church, which was, you know, Pentecostal charismatic. And, and that's the type of church I grew up in. So Okay, so we, we have the similar background as far as seeing different styles of worship um, outside of the church. I remember at some point around my senior year, probably junior, senior year of high school, running across in the record store. And I mean, do mean records I'm talking about vinyl records and flipping wow. through those in the rack. Yes. And I came across someone I had heard of called Amy Grant and I looked uh-huh. at it and I, I was, uh, I was intrigued by the fact that her song titles uh, didn't sound Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked it up and I bought it. I don't remember what an LP was back then, uh, cost-wise, but I bought it and I took it home and I put it on and I stood in my bedroom looking at the the big jacket that it came in uh, that had uh, lyrics and stuff on it, and I was I was intrigued by the fact that you could actually do music type worship outside of church. Mm-hmm. So that was my first real experience, and then it went on to. You know, many, many others. Uh, I was a big into contemporary Christian music, um, Petra, and oh, so right. many others. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, what it looks like as far as the music part of it, or maybe, maybe problems that we're seeing mm-hmm. right now when it comes to that topic of worship. Right. Well, there's really a difference between, you know, artists writing Christian songs, these Christian songs being played on the radio or, or you, you're buying the, the record, <laughs> the, the CD, MP3, whatever they use. Yeah, uh, digital now, yeah. everything's digital. I never see I, anything. There's, there's a big difference, uh, in my mind anyways, between uh, doing that and what's being played on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of songs that that are you know are Christian songs that are really theologically deep, accurate, uh, very poignant, very instrumentally just amazing. That I wouldn't want to do in worship service because the point of of worship service is to to get the people of God worshiping God together. Um, you know, there's there's some songs that. There's some really high notes up there. Yeah. And and it sounds really cool when you're listening to it. And, you know, when you're listening to it on your own, you can be like, yeah, you know. But as far as songs that would encourage the congregation to right. worship. Right. Um, I think that there's there's a big difference in there. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, this kind of goes into one of the things I want to talk about is that I think that there can be a tendency sometimes for those who are are leading a worship service or or picking out the music for a worship service to take that music which is really you know is really good written by a good artist biblically accurate and taking that into the congregational setting and they play it it's amazing but the congregation can't follow it it's too high for them it's too low for them and then it's kind of like 
it, it goes into the the realm of of showmanship, mm-hmm. and you know, at Sunday mornings should not be a, a concert, as it were, that points to the the musicians, the singers, whoever's leading. This, that's why I don't do a drum solo whenever I go up there <laughs> to start up. That the, would be uh, cool. Yeah, that maybe I'll do it this Sunday. We'll you, see. You do that, and I'll I'll pick a Mandisa song. Uh, it might shock you, but I don't have the vocal range that Mandisa what? does. Yeah, so oh, that does shock me. So, I, but that makes sense to me. What yeah. you're saying makes sense. I couldn't sing a Mandisa song like Mandisa does, and and really, so when you have those people on the platform that are singing that, that can sing that. How does that fit in with me who's standing in my pew or in my chair trying to worship with them, exactly. I think, is, is what you're getting at. And I so I understand that. Um, and that's, that's when you get a lot of people that will just stand up. They hear you sing. You know, at the end of a song, if it strikes their fancy, they might clap. And yeah. then, they, you know, they sit down. Yeah. And there's no, there's no real participation. Yeah. Um, that's a good point, and and so what you said earlier when I was talking about those, uh, th- those, for me that contemporary worship outside of church. Um, listen, my best worship times are in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have a, a 35, 40 minute commute to work every day and back home, and that was my worship time. Mm-hmm. But I see the difference of what you're saying between a personal worship time um, and and a time of corporate worship right in that setting very good point yeah definitely and i think also in in personal worship um there's really i mean if you're the only one there it's just you and god there's a lot more freedom there in in one sense yeah you can I, I remember hearing a a preacher one time like going into the woods and just shouting praises to God and that sort of thing. Yeah. And there's a lot more kind of freedom there because uh, if some of those things were done in in a worship service setting with other people, I mean there there could be, I mean there could be like a distraction a little sure. bit or yeah. if everybody's kind of doing their own thing, there's this kind of chaos that ensues and you know Paul says let everything that is done be done. In order, it, an orderly. Yeah, there should be an orderliness to it, which separates that. Like, yeah, like you just which gave is, the example of of the personal versus the corporate worship. Right. So yeah, does that so that would be that could be considered construed uh, a problem with a problem within worship. Um, are there any other things that yeah that you would so, deem an so, issue? So this kind of goes along with that that same issue of like showmanship is um it can be very much based upon our emotions and there's nothing wrong with human emotions um i wish i was able to express my emotions a little bit better but there's god has given us emotions and but when a, a song only seems to be there for the purpose of eliciting emotion through the the swells in the music through the ups and the downs and and there's you know the these words that are said in a certain way that just kind of uh, yeah. um but but it doesn't really mean anything then i would say that those songs are really purely just based upon getting an emotional experience and i mean I, with both of our backgrounds that we've come from, I think we both have probably 
seen this before where there's there's singing and there's there's the lifting of hands and people getting really excited but then you think about okay w- what are they singing and what they're singing is not something that would normally elicit emotion so for instance if i came up to you and i said whoa 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 would that elicit much emotion from you? It could. If you did the drum solo right before that, it yeah, might elicit emotion. If I did a emotion. drum solo before that. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, I this is kind of bad, but when I hear songs that have a bunch of woes in them, I'm thinking, the only woes I see, like, in Scripture are bad. Like, woe to you, woe to you. You know, the seven woes or the Revelation. It's like, woes are supposed to be a bad thing, I thought, but. Now everybody listening is going to start listening for yeah, the woes they're going to listen the to the woes. <laughs> a few woes, you know, I think they're all right. They're you know, all right, it's, yeah. It's all right, not like against all woes. But. Yeah, that is that is a good point. And, and uh, you know, I use yeah. that in videography a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the, the tempo of the music and, um, you know, the swells and the things like that, you know, that I use all the time in, in videography to elicit those emotions. Mm-hmm. It's important. We are emotional creatures. Right, exactly. And and I think, too, this kind of goes into to something else I want to talk about with uh, worship music, is that um, oftentimes, and this kind of goes into purely emotional-based, but oftentimes the worship music can lack didacticism. And by that, I mean it lacks a sense of teaching you something or telling you an aspect of of who God is, or what He's done, or what the Bible says. Um, I remember in my old church, um, it did, we didn't start off in the Psalter, but we eventually like bought a Psalter, uh, the you know the Book of Psalms to to different tunes or whatever, and singing it. And it was it was kind of. Um, no, it wasn't very contemporary types of songs. Sure, but I know I know how Psalm one goes now. I know how Psalm two goes now. Oh, sure. Like it's it's an incredible way to to memorize scripture by through through uh, through songs. How many how many songs do we already know from you know years and years and years ago yeah. that we learned as a children yeah. because we learned it as a song and then later on we found out. Oh, yeah, that's that's scripture. We read in, you know, Psalm whatever. Oh, hey, this I sang this psalm when I was just a little kid. When you when you are reading through the word all of a sudden as as a teen you're going, "Wow, I do know scripture because I learned that song exactly. in vacation Bible school or in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know it." Yeah. And I think that 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 teaching method of of worship music really helps us to hide God's word in our heart. Mm, yeah. And when we're we're singing a song, we're not just singing uh, meaningless words. We're singing words that mean something. That's right. So I'm I'm reminded of uh, Psalm 34. Uh, I remember singing this at my old church. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now that's scripture, but it also <laughs> elicits 
a sense of, yeah, let's yeah. magnify our Lord together. Absolutely. It really does. As you're reading that, it just lifts me it up. It does. And, and it's, that's where uh, I can look at this and say a perfect example of how the Word of God is living and breathing mm-hmm. because it does. It Amen. just does something to you as a believer to read that. Yes. And so, uh, you know, we can get so hung up on, well, let's not make it, make it too emotional that we can just say, well, emotions, emotions bad. And our songs are just going to be, you know, a Gregorian chant or something. Right. Um, right. And I think it's important that we have both of those, uh, in our worship. Uh, I'm reminded again of, of what Jesus said in Psalm four, worshiping in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that we're worshiping God with our spirit, with our whole spirit, and also worshiping him truthfully with who he actually is, who we actually are, what he's actually done for us, and not just uh, words that we think sound good or or we say because they rhyme. (laughs) Yeah. Jonathan, I said earlier at the start of the the podcast that music has always been a part of my life. Um, I don't know that I'm a great singer, but I, I don't really care when I'm in worship. Mm -hmm. But what about those of us who are very conscious of that? I mean, how am I supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth if I can't carry a tune? Right. (laughs) You know? Or, uh, I mean, the list goes on of things I could come up with as far as I'm standing before my God, my creator. How does that work when I'm an imperfect person? Yeah, That's, that's a good question. And I think it's so, so amazing that we don't have to have the best singing voices to worship God. Um, we can just sing to our heart's content, and and God doesn't critique our singing. Uh, yeah, you know, our worship to God doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's that's something that that we should really realize and kind of understand that because anything that that we give to God, whether it's whether it's worship or even in in prayer, it's never going to be a hundred percent perfect. Um, there's always going to be some aspect of our flesh involved, or we might have a thought that doesn't exactly line up. You know, that just passes by. And in this world that we live in, that's been stained by sin, um, we're never going to be able to to worship God perfectly until we see him in glory. So there's, um, there's really many different views on how we should worship in the church. And it's, it's not like we should just say, well, our worship is going to be imperfect. So who cares? Let's just wing it. Yeah. Let's just wing it. No, it's, we shouldn't have that attitude. Um, there's, but there's different views that, that come up in regards to worship in the church. Uh, I'm reminded of like the regulative principle of worship versus the normative principle of worship. And that's basically the regulative principle of worship says you can only do in the church service what the Bible specifically says that you can do in a church service. And the normative principle of worship says, well, whatever's not restricted by the Bible is acceptable and in the church service. Uh, so I know that there's there's some controversy in that. There's also churches that say you should only sing the Psalms 
uh, in churches. That's the only way you could do it. That's the most purest form of worship that you can possibly do. And then we have the instruments versus no instruments sure. that you kind of alluded to there. Yeah. And uh, I, I just want to stress again that our, our worship doesn't have to be perfect to be acceptable to God. Um, we can have poor singing voices. Uh, that's okay. Um, I would also say that with with some songs, there is some room for poetic interpretation. <laughs> I think if if we if we critiqued the psalms themselves as we would critique some other worship music, I mean we'd we'd be in a <laughs> a bad situation. So, for instance, some of the psalms talk about how. God has wings. God is a rock. Well, no, God doesn't actually have wings because he's a spirit. So that's incorrect. No, that's that's gotcha. poetic interpretation. Yeah. And there needs to be room for that. Yeah. Uh, we can't be so legalistic in, in what's acceptable uh, in worship. And I'm also reminded that, you know, when we worship God or when we, when we pray to him, really, we don't know how to pray as we ought to. That's right. So the spirit intercedes for us. And I believe the same thing can be said about our worship to God because yeah. our, our worship is a prayer in a sense to God. Uh, the spirit intercedes for us. And I know that Christ as our great high, high priest is also interceding for us. And so all we can really give to God is our best. And that's what we should be doing, giving our best to him as a living sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I would encourage people who don't sing or don't sing loud at church to step out and just allow, don't worry about those around you, but just to focus on the true reason why we worship corporately. And that is just to lift him up, to praise him for who he is. And um, so do you have anything else you wanted to to share um, before we close here? I think this has been extremely helpful to me and hopefully to those who are listening, um, understand. When, when we see kind of the, the definition of, of worship in general, there's, there's this sense of, of bowing down, uh, this sense of showing reverence to a divine being. And that's just yeah. kind of the, the secular definition. But so oftentimes in, in Scripture, we see this bowing down, this laying down, uh, I'm reminded of uh, the book of Revelation when John is mm-hmm. given all this revelation and um, by this angel, and he bows down to worship this angel, yeah. the apostle John. Yeah, He's bowing down before this angel, and the, the angel says, stop, you must not do this. Worship God. Yeah. So I think just there's a sense of what worship is, is that it's a a humility before your God Mm. that pride and, and arrogance and um, just thinking that you're really something when you're not is is really the opposite of what worship is. Uh, I think that was King Saul's, big problem is that he wanted to worship God the way that he wanted to do it. You know, God tells him to go and devote to destruction, all the Amalekites, everything that they have. 
And Saul's like, well, I, I'll do most of that. Except for but this. I, I've got better plans in mind. Yeah. I'm going to take it. I'm going to, I'm going to offer it as a sacrifice to God. That's right. Yeah. He'll really like that. Um, and I think those who have read that story know that that did not end well for him. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, I guess my main point that I just wanted to stress is, is when you think of worship, have in your mind that, that bowing down and serving God and, and it's not exalting yourself, but it's humbling yourselves before the throne of God above. Everything that you just talked about is yep. what true worship is, is just laying aside everything in our lives and imagine standing before God and expressing my deepest, sincerest love for him and what he's done. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me. You need to uh, start studying something else so we can have you back and pick <laughs> your brain again. Yeah, I'll see um, what I can do. 